0: What the Actual Fork podcast is co-hosted by two intuitive eating registered dietitians, yours truly, Sammy Previtt, owner of Fine Food Freedom, and Jenna Warner, owner of Happy Strong Healthy.
1: We can't stand diet culture bullshit and love keeping it real. Our mission is for all humans to believe that they are made for so much more than chasing a smaller body. We are also here to share with you that food can be fun and pleasurable again.
0: Although we are medical professionals, we are human beings too. We are not afraid to share our deepest, darkest secrets and how many years of our lives were taken by diet culture.
1: We started this podcast so no human has to feel alone in their journey towards food freedom. So get comfy and join us for a casual combo where you can expect to laugh, cry, learn, and grow.
0: We are so grateful that you're here. So if you enjoy this podcast and want to connect further, we invite you to follow along on Instagram at whattheactualforkpod and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast so we can continue to share this message with more and more people. Now, let's get into it.
2: Welcome back to another episode of What The Actual Fork Podcast. This is your host, Sam Previtt, and I am missing my... Co-host dearly. Jenna Warner is still on maternity leave um, for the rest of this month and will be back with us in the new year. So we are wishing her many baby snuggles and cuddles, um, which are the best during maternity leave, but also it's a really, really challenging time. So I look forward to having Jenna back and being able to have really candid, open conversations with Jenna about motherhood and about what life is like now with a newborn and a toddler and you know as someone who myself is 19 weeks pregnant with my second those are going to be conversations that I want to have with Jenna because I want to learn and um so you can expect a lot of upcoming mom chats in 2024 as well as just so many chats between Jenna and I, where we love to speak very freely, openly, and candidly about all things food, body image, mom life, fertility, pregnancy, postpartum, and beyond. Um, And so to completely shift gears right now, I'm so excited for today's episode to share it with you because we've never had guests like this on our show before we had Tara VanderDussen and Natalie Kovarik. And um, Tara is an environmental scientist and dairy farmer. And Natalie is a pharmacist and a rancher. Like, How fucking cool is that? And so basically we had two female farmers on the pod breaking down all things agriculture. We talked a lot about beef and dispelled myths about grass-fed beef and just where we source our beef from as well as a lot of myths about dairy and just where you know what it's like to grow up on a dairy farm and 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 how the the cattle are treated and it was so cool to have this different perspective because when Jenna and I sit down with clients it's all about like okay your relationship to this food right like once you put also like once you put the food in your body as a registered dietitian, we talk about your nutrient metabolism and how you digest and break down and absorb and all of these things, but to really take a broad step back with both Tara and Natalie and talk about like where our food comes from, how it 's produced, you know what 's in the food, all of these things and What I loved about these ladies is they brought so much nuance to the conversation. They're not here to like go on a pro beef, pro dairy rant. They're here to educate and they're really pro food choice and knowing that like everyone has their own choice and. Um, can make their own food choices and of course, raise their families to believe and eat certain ways. And they're really here to educate and empower us. And I thought it was just so freaking cool. So you can find them over at Discover AG or Discover Ag, which is their podcast, um, which is a really, really cool one. I listened to a few episodes this morning and I will definitely... Be a long-time listener now. It, it it's so cool to see women in this space having these conversations. So I'm excited for you to hear this episode, and you know, it comes at a really fun time. I think that there's so much noise about diet culture and intentional weight loss programs right now, and all of just the bs that comes with the new year being right around the corner and i think this can just be a really fun refreshing new content episode like we've never covered anything like this on the podcast so i hope this can really be a nice reframe for you and plant a seed of curiosity about food and where it comes from um so Without further ado, I, I want to get into this episode um, with both Tara and Natalie. And I also, before we do, I just want to remind you, if you are an OG listener of What the Actual Fork, you love the pod, you you know listen to every episode or as many as you can, we would be so internally grateful if you could please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And when you leave a review, let us know what you want to see more of. Let us know what you want to see in 2024 and beyond. We have some really exciting things cooking up, pun intended, um, between Jenna and I, and we're excited to share it with you as we continue to grow and evolve as women, as humans, as dietitians, as moms. And so I just, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here with us as we grow, as we evolve, and just listening to these conversations. It, it truly means the world to us. So now, without further ado, let's listen to today's episode with these amazing female farmers and let's kick it off. Here we go. If you've been a longtime listener, then you know that Jenna and I have been drinking AG1 for a few years now. And I think it's interesting because I've seen a couple different posts on the social media platforms that we all know and love or love to hate of people kind of bashing AG1. And I found that the people that were talking about it didn't really know what it was because AG1 is a direct multivitamin supplement. Um, When we take AG1, it not only has prebiotics and probiotics and digestive enzymes, but it also has 75 vitamins and minerals. And so In addition to that, it is an NSF certified for sports supplement. So it's been tested for over 950 contaminants. And it was funny because some of the accounts that I saw that they were saying, they were trying to compare AG1 to like a greens powder. But what we have to understand is it is a third party tested, NSF certified for sport supplement. It is a foundational nutritional supplement that can be used as a direct multivitamin replacement. And I say this as a registered dietitian to give education on what it is. And it's something that I love because it helps increase my hydration. It's simple. It has the prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes mixed in, as well as vitamin C and zinc, because you know your girl is always sick over here with daycare germs. And so I say all of this education to help empower you that you do not have to take this product. This is not like, oh, you have to take AG1. Or you're not going to be healthy. But I think it's really empowering to know what it is. It is a direct multivitamin replacement and it has the best gold standard certification that any supplement can have in the game. So you want to make sure your supplements have this certification. You want to ensure that you know what you're taking if you are taking a supplement. And Jenna and I both love that AG1 has that. So if you want to give AG1 a try, then you can by and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free travel AG1 packs with your first purchase. You can go to drinkag1.com forward slash fork. That's drinkag1.com forward slash fork and check it out. All right, so we have Tara and Natalie here. We have an environmental scientist and dairy farmer, a pharmacist slash, slash rancher, and a dietitian walk into the bar. Like, I feel like that's like the beginning of a joke that we need to start. But thank you so much for being here with me. We've never had guests like this on before. So I thank you both so much for your time.
3: No, we are so excited to be here and to be able to have this great conversation.
4: It Uh, is a fun dynamic we have going right now. So this should be a good conversation.
2: I love it. All right. Well, we love to start our podcast with a very special question. Um, So we're the What the Actual Fork podcast, obviously, if people are listening right now. And we like to start by asking you, what is your what the actual fork moment of the week, of the day, of the year. Maybe it's a headline you saw. Maybe it's a conversation you overheard at a grocery store. Maybe it's a headline you saw, a social media post you saw. What is something that just stopped you in your tracks related to what you both do that made you say what the actual fork
3: is going on? Oh my gosh. I feel like that's such a hard one because of the space we're in with the podcast, with Discover Ag, our podcast. Literally what we do is look at crazy headlines and help, you know, interesting headlines, all sorts, all over the place, headlines and like bring them back to our podcast. So I feel like there is so many out there that make you kind of stop and scratch your
4: head a little bit. So I'm trying to think of just one. Do you have just one, Natalie? Yeah. I mean, I think one that always stands out for me is when people talk about eliminating cattle for the benefit of the environment. It always makes me pause. And like you said, go, what the actual fork? Like where, how did we get to this moment in space? And you know, what do we need to have the conversation around it to kind of undo the process that led people to here? Which I don't know, sometimes we're in our own little bubble and I wonder if that maybe the noise is a little bit louder, like maybe not as many people think that but i think there's a portion of society it does and it makes me say what the actual fork
2: i love that and i've definitely heard that a lot in my space as a dietitian and even taking that a step further which i want to definitely get to is just the fear around meat in general like an eating meat from a grocery store and feeling the need to only have grass fed beef. That's something I see in this like wellness culture. So that's something I would definitely love to get to. But before we get there, Tara, I would love to hear from you. Is there anything else coming up for you as you heard Natalie speak or something more recently or even like with the holidays or just anything that you're seeing?
3: Yeah. So I feel like on the dairy side of things, one of the things that lately I'm seeing a ton of is this conversation around raw milk. Um, good, bad, all all the things. And I think all of it has me definitely saying like, what the fork, like, where is this coming from? You know, what is bringing up this conversation now versus at like another point in time? Um, what kind of started it and like, where are we headed with it? So I think that's something for me on the dairy side that I have really been like kind of scratching my head about. And dairy is one as a dietitian that I feel like,
2: <laughs> holy shit, it's been years of rice milk, right? Oat milk, almond milk. Like, don't get me wrong, if you have a preference and you love those things, like drink those milks, great. But like this anti-cow's milk movement is something that I would love to get into if if you can touch on too. So One thing I just want to share with listeners is when your team had reached out to us, they had said like, this is for listeners to have less fear in the grocery store and better understand the wide variety of food options they have. And I loved that. It aligns so well with our message because in our space as intuitive eating counselors, we help people make peace with food and there is so much fear mongering out there in the headlines, right? In the grocery stores. So I would just... I want to turn it over to both of you to just share like how did you get to where you are right now? Like, did I would assume you didn't think you were just gonna be podcasters, not just podcasters? That sounded like I was diminishing what you're doing. I don't know if you thought that you would wake up and be podcasters talking about these issues and these headlines. So how did you get here personally, professionally? Like what led you to this point of advocacy and having these conversations?
3: Yeah, it really has been quite a, a journey, I feel like, and I think that's kind of the online space these days, right? You, like you start out in one spot and you end up someplace very different. So um, for me, you know, I grew up on a dairy farm and ultimately married a dairy farmer. And so dairy farming has kind of been my entire life growing up on the farm and now raising my family on the farm. Um, I did go away to college. I uh, didn't necessarily see myself coming back to the farm originally uh, when I got my degree in environmental science, but obviously as life would have it, ended up back on the farm Uh using my environmental science degree on kind of like the regulatory side of things. So assisting dairy farmers with like permitting and regulation. And while I was doing that, I was seeing a ton of information out there online about cattle's impact on the environment, which I know is something we're going to get into. And it just really led me to kind of start sharing, opening up our farm on social media and on other platforms to be able to share with people about agriculture and about dairy farming specifically as that journey has gone on, that was eight years ago when I started sharing, I ultimately met Natalie online and we just had a lot of synergies and how we thought about agriculture and wanted to talk about agriculture. And it really led us to starting our podcast, Discover Ag, um, where we bring people different conversations around food and farming. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing. And Natalie, how about you?
4: Yeah. It's funny. You said that you didn't, You assumed we wouldn't wake up and think that this is what we'd be talking about. And you could not have been more accurate. I mean, to rewind even further, I didn't think I would marry a rancher. And I remember when I met my husband, I had this moment where I was like, oh my goodness, am I really going to marry a rancher? Am I really going to go back to agriculture? Because like Tara, I was raised in agriculture. I was raised on a cattle ranch in Southwest Montana. And like Tara, I also left, you know, my parents really encouraged, they had, I have three older sisters. They really encouraged all of us girls to go get a profession outside of agriculture, you know, something that is ours, that we can stand on our own. That way, if we ever come back to the ranch, they knew it was by choice and not by like default or because we had to. So I was kind of living this life and, you know, a quote unquote bigger city in Montana. I was working in a hospital slash clinic as a pharmacist and I was traveling a lot and I just had a very different lifestyle than what I do now. I had a very different job than what I do now. And so when, you know, you say it was kind of serendipitous and, and Tara talks about it being a journey, it really was like truly a journey for Tara and I to get to this place. And, you know, ultimately social media played such a large role in that because that's where we got started is like showing up and just kind of sharing about agriculture without. I truly did it without realizing people didn't know or weren't connected to it, right? I mean, I grew up a ranch girl. It's kind of the community we were in. I, it's what my friends did, family. It's just what I knew. And then I started sharing online and kind of my eyes were opened up like this, actually what we do is extremely unique. Like people have questions and and not just questions, but people have like fear around it. And that's when my world kind of tilted and shifted and I was like, oh, Okay, I get it. There needs to be more like intentional advocacy around addressing some of this misinformation and having some of these harder conversations. Um, and like Tara said, that ultimately led us to doing the podcast because. It's really hard to have these nuanced conversations in an eight second story or a 15 second reel. And so we just are, I mean, I think you would attest to it as well, but we're just so in love with the podcasting space because it's like you can get into nitty gritty details and you can have conversations and it can be fun and informative and it can be all of these emotions with still like a very beneficial, you know, 30, 40 minutes that you spend together with your listeners. And we just love what we get to do with our our community over on Discover Ag.
2: I think having you both in this space, I said to you off air, I feel like you're unicorns because when I got the email from your team and I looked into you and I couldn't believe that I hadn't heard of either of you before this interview and it was just so empowering not only to see... To humans doing this work and having these nuanced conversations, but to women in this space as well, which has been really, really cool to see. So, I would love to go back to some of the cattle/slash/beef and/or dairy misconceptions, myths, and things that we see in the media and hand it over to you. And let's start debunking some of this because I see as a dietitian who sits with people and talks about relationship with food, I do see a lot of fear around those afraid to eat meat, afraid to uh, consume any dairy product that comes from a cow. So I think a huge part of that is understanding where our food comes from, how it's produced, um, what's in our food. So I know that is a lot to unpack, but I'm going to hand it over to you in any direction you want to take it. We are all ears over here.
3: Yeah. So I think one of the things you said when you first started this conversation was kind of that intuitive eating and like what what our goal was here too, is just to like share... About food, and I think that really has been Natalie I's goal from the very beginning with Discover Ag, is not to necessarily influence anyone's decision on what they choose because we believe in food choice to our core, and I love to start with that because. Ultimately, Natalie and I do not sell any products off of our farms or ranch straight to consumer. Like that's not our goal. Our goal is to share with people all the facts, maybe open up agriculture a little bit, peel back some of those layers that people don't understand and then ultimately make let people make the best decision for themselves on the food. And so that's kind of the approach we always take. And I don't—I just like to start it off with that. But you did mention like grass-fed in this. So I'll let Natalie kind of jump in, I think, in that part of the conversation because I feel like that is one of the big ones we see constantly is that conversation in the beef world about grass versus, you know, conventional finished beef.
4: Yeah, I definitely think that there is a hang-up there a little bit about, you know, can I eat grocery store beef? Um, does it need to be grass fed? And then even panning out from that a little bit is just as you mentioned earlier, like grocery store beef—is that bad? Bad for me in general? Like, what is in there? Do I need to be concerned? So I'm happy to kind of dive into that and have questions. I mean, it's 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 hefty, so I'll try and keep it um, interesting for your listeners. Uh, Tara and I actually both speak professionally, kind of on this labeling is a little bit of one of our soapboxes. We'll get into, and I think that's what this comes down to, is that. Um, as consumers, labels started out as a really great tool for all of us, right? To help us understand we're no longer involved in like all the productions of food anymore. So when it comes to buying it, like we have to know what's in there, right? Like we have to have some sort of information. And so this idea of the label pops up. And it starts out with really good intentions. And then all of a sudden throughout the years, we've gotten to this place where marketing has really taken over labeling. And I think that's one of the core things that as a US food system, I wish we would focus on more is like, how can we make these labels better for the consumers? Because when it comes to labels for our beef, I think a lot of people are assigning and we could you know dive into this grass-fed portion a little bit here. People are assigning their own meanings to what that label means. So I will tell you straight up, the grass-fed label on beef, what it stands for and what it means is that that is what the diet of the animal ate. That's all it's telling you guys. And if that is beneficial for you, then great. Like If you want to know that you want to eat an animal that only ate grass for its entire life, then great. The grass-fed labels is going to be the label you're going to go to. If you want to know an animal is well cared for, like if you want an animal welfare label, that's not what a grass fed label is. It's not going to tell you anything about how that animal was handled. If you want an environment information, like you want to know what kind of environment that animal was raised in, the grass fed label is not going to tell you that. It does not tell you where the animal was raised at. Like all of those other things, even nutrition, I think people assign nutrition with grass fed label. Like this is better for me, it's healthier for me. It's not a nutrition label, you guys. All it's telling you is that is what the animal ate is grass. And so I think when we have these conversations about like, what meat do i source from the grocery store what do i buy what do you know what what am i putting in my freezer i think we have to have some of these more conversations around labels and better understanding what the labels mean and then what you guys should be looking for in the grocery store
2: so let's talk about a great idea for a holiday gift for a loved one and i think that a certified meal kit company such as green chef could be an awesome idea. Jenna and I always voice memo back and forth. She's in the thick of her maternity leave right now. She's got her newborn at home in addition to her toddler. And we talk about how food is love. Like we love giving food. We love getting food. And why not give the gift that is so easy for your loved ones to nourish their body all holiday season long? And you could do either the meal kit where you can actually make the meals, or one of my personal favorites is with Green Chef is their no-rep Breakfast. So they have grab and go breakfast options. They have ready to eat snacks. And I think sometimes there are seasons of life where we don't want to cook. We don't want to think about prepping. And the great thing about Green Chef is if you do have any time to cook, all of their meals take 25 minutes or less. So less than a half hour. But they also have those grab and go options. If you're like, no, 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 I don't want to think about cooking, or this loved one doesn't want to think about cooking. They just need easy, convenient food to nourish their body with. So you can go to greenchef.com slash 60 fork, and that's six zero fork, and use code 60, that's six zero fork, to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. So again, go to greenchef.com slash six zero fork and use code six zero fork to get 60% off plus 20% off your next two months. This is an amazing option for yourself or to give a loved one a gift that they're going to use because who doesn't love food? Am I right? Thank you so much for breaking down kind of what grass-fed actually means. And um, I love how you started out with too, how labels, they did come with such a great intention because we do have to know what we're consuming and what we're putting in Absolutely. our body. And it it's so interesting because in, in my practice, I sit down with people who are mortified to eat food because of a random number that some rule, right, or some diet or something told them, like, don't go over this number. Meanwhile, they don't even know what that number is. Um, and so I, I love that you you brought that point up. And I think it's so important to recognize that we can use these labels as a tool, as an informant for our choices, Um But at the end of the day too, it's still important to know what these other labels and marketing claims and things on the front of the package mean as well. So I kind of want to take it. So we talked a little bit about the grass fed and I want to, I want to swing this right into dairy because, and I want to hear your thoughts on it specifically, Tara of how did, and I, and I also love that you brought up earlier and all three of us, and I want to, I want to loop myself on to, to what you were saying this is not about trying to convince people to eat a certain type of food. Like every single listener to this podcast has full body autonomy and choice; they can make whatever choices they want. But I would love to hear from you being in the dairy space. There has been such a swing to these plant-based milks. And so why are we all afraid of drinking cow's milk? Like why have we seen this trend Um, And I would just love to hear your take on it in general.
3: Yeah, it is so crazy, like the world we live in, that there is so many different types of milk. Uh, milk marketing has actually been having a little bit of fun with this and making some great parodies about just how crazy the dairy, the, the I say dairy space, but essentially, you know, the milk, milk alternative space has really gotten. And and that fear that people have around like, I know I've seen celebrities be like, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but like I drink cow's milk and they like are afraid they're going to get like shamed for it, you know, and it's just really, really wild the other wild thing for me looking at the dairy space is actually our biggest like competitor that steals steals our market space is actually bottled water not plant-based milk so that's like a whole nother topic but it just is kind of funny cuz we just we get so like fixated on you know like one trending type of food or or drink in this case, and it can really dominate a lot of the conversation. Um, when in reality, dairy is actually the largest sector at the grocery store and it's the fastest growing sector. So like dairy is is innovating in different ways. And some ways it may be very much outside of that traditional like gallon of milk you see. And I think that plant based milks are like a great thing that is being added to that space. Um, I think there's room for both. Uh, one of my favorite statistics is like over 90% of Americans who choose um dairy milk like may have a second option in their fridge as well. So like sometimes it's not like a one or the other. It's a both. And I absolutely think that there's like probably not a better representation of like the American palate right now, right? Like it's not necessarily one or the other, but it's multiple things, liking having lots of options. Uh, and so I don't know, I feel like sometimes We can get a little lost in the landscape of the alternative milks um, when in reality it's about choices. Like, are you wanting a lower calorie option? Like, are you wanting a higher protein option, a lower sugar? Like, there is just a lot of choices in this day and age. That is so true. It
2: is like, it is wild to me when you go to the milk section. I feel like there's like a new type of milk, like pea milk, like all (laughs) these milks that come up, like, what what happened to to milk like it's just it's just milk um, and it's it's just crazy to see all the choices but i actually agree with that because our we are a family that has cow's milk and i love oat milk in my lattes it's just like frothy and creamy and like i have nothing against cow's milk i love cow's milk and i love oat milk and you can love both milks and that's okay um, so when it comes to labeling with milk or myths, because I was asking more previously about like the plant based milk versus, of course, cow's milk, but what myths, what you know, misunderstandings, misinformation do you see commonly in the dairy space? It doesn't have to be milk specifically, but dairy as a whole.
3: Yeah, I would say the biggest uh, misconceptions there are like environmental footprint. I think that is a huge one in the milk space. Like I feel like I can just picture this graphic that I always see going around online that like breaks down all the different types of milk and it's like, okay, greenhouse gas emissions, land use, water use, and it has like cow's milk as like significantly higher in a lot of those cases. I think the other like the flip side of that coin though is the nutritional value of it. I do think that when we're comparing plant milks to cow's milks, you're comparing like apples to oranges, right? Like they're Not the same. Like nutritionally, there are some milks recently that have gotten a little bit more competitive in the nutrition space. But like if you're comparing almond milk to dairy milk, like you're not comparing equal amounts of protein or fats or literally all the other essential nutrients that are in milk. I think there's 13 essential nutrients and vitamins that we have like in milk now calculated and figured out. And that's not the case with almond. And so to make those comparisons of saying like this food uses more water, let's say. Than another food or uses more land or whatever it may be. If you're ultimately like going, if you're drinking almond milk and you're saying, oh, it has a lower carbon footprint, but you're turning around and eating another food for your protein source, like you're co- like adding additional, you know, environmental parameters to your food choice by filling those nutrient needs. I don't know if that makes sense, but like in my mind, I just don't think we can accurately compare those. And so that for me, that's a big myth. It's like let's like more level the playing field of seeing what the nutritional value of something is instead of just like carbon in and carbon out.
2: Absolutely. That's a really good point. And I couldn't agree more thinking about like I'm thinking about like Plant-based milk versus cow's milk nutrients very different from a macro all the way down to micro level. How about you, Natalie? When you because I know you brought this up earlier with environmental footprint from a cattle perspective, kind of same same conversation, but talking about cattle versus dairy. What what are, what is your take on that?
4: You mean misconceptions I see in the beef industry?
2: Yes, yes. Thank you. Yes.
4: Yeah. I would think one of I think one of the biggest misconceptions um, or myths or kind of maybe misunderstandings I see when it comes to beef is that people um, they kind of I don't know I think they have a lot of assumptions about grain finished cattle. I think they believe that the animal is in the feedlot for their entire life. I think a lot of people are surprised when I say that an animal, no matter whether it was grass finished, or feedlot finished, um, spends about two-thirds of its life in the exact same way it's out at pasture, like on a family ranch like mine. Um, it's really the last few months that an animal spends their... Um, time in a feedlot. And I think that, um, unfortunately statistic is kind of lost, for the average consumer. I think people assume that a grain finished animal had grain their entire life or that's all they were eating. And again, it's really like in those last few months, they're getting extra grain for that fattening. And it's usually in addition to like uh, grasses and other forages. So it's part of like a well-balanced diet. So I think there's a lot of misconceptions about a grain finished animal.
2: So the other day, Jenna and I were voice memoing back and forth about like what we actually want for the holidays. And it's products that we use, like practical products. And I think back to, I don't know why this is so ingrained in my head of just getting like random lotions my whole life, like that I didn't even like the sense of and I never used. And I feel like I had Tons and tons of drawers of them after Christmas. I don't know why, but that's like what I picture when I picture growing up and like getting random gifts from random people. So when I think about what I want this year, Lumi is one of my favorite products. As you know, if you've listened to our What the Actual Fork podcast, we are huge fans of Lumi, which is a whole body deodorant. It is seriously safe to use anywhere. I'm talking pits, under boobs thigh folds, belly buttons, butt cracks, and more. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how normal BO was and misdiagnosed and mistreated. And so we are huge fans of the Lumi products. We've used so many of them. And my favorite, favorite, Favorite ones are the deodorant wipes. They are so good when you want just like a little freshening up and maybe you don't have time for a full shower, but they are the best. So special offer for new customers. You can get $5 off the Lumi starter pack with our exclusive code and link. You can use code FORK At lumideodorant.com. That is L U M E D E O D O R A N T.com. And I, this is, it sounds funny. Like, I want deodorant for Christmas. I want deodorant for the holidays. Like, I want products that I actually like. And my husband and I were talking about this too how we feel so boring, but once you find stuff that you really like, You don't want to try anything else. And so again, if you're like, I want to give Lumi a try, I want to put some in a stocking for a loved one or for myself, special offer new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with using the code FORK at LumiDeodorant.com. Again, that's LumiDeodorant.com, L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. Can you walk us through... Like you were saying, like on my ranch or like at, at our farm, like this is, how, this is how the cattle lived its life. Like, I'm gonna be honest with you, I've never even thought about that. Like, yeah. that's not something that has ever crossed my mind. I don't know if that means I have a lot of, like, if that really just my privilege or just like not thinking, right? I have the ability to just pick up meat and buy it. So, what, what does the average life look like for cattle? before they enter the grocery store as packaged meat.
4: Yeah, we can dive into that. And it's not just you. And I don't think you should feel bad about that. And I don't think anyone should feel bad about that. I mean, that's... Like one of the benefits of getting to where we are in a society, Mm -hmm. right? Is that we don't have to have our own milk cow in our backyard. We don't Mm -hmm. have to like understand how some of the food got to the grocery store. But I do think it's like really empowering if you want to understand that. Like it helps you have those better choices in the grocery store. So the beef industry, you can kind of think of it, it's very unique. I should start there, actually. A lot of people will lump the beef industry in with chicken and pork together and they kind of think about it all the same and it is not. So one of the biggest differences is that the chicken industry and the pork industry are vertically integrated. So that means that they are owned by like let's say a Tyson. That's a very easy one for people to know when it comes to chicken. Tyson owns from the egg all the way to the very end. It's vertically integrated. Tyson owns it all. It's in their control. It's like Tyson's. It's Tyson's, you know, business the beef industry is not that way. We are not vertically integrated. We won't ever be vertically integrated. So we actually, an animal is like sold and then rebought multiple different times in our, like kind of the, the chain, right? The process of the animal's life. So like my ranch owns the animal in the beginning. And then if it enters the feedlot, the feedlot buys it and then they own it. And then when they sell to the packer, the packer buys it and they own it. So it's like kind of this changing of hands, in the beef, beef industry where you don't have that ownership change for like chicken or pork. Um, so you can think of the beef industry, like an upside down triangle. So at the base of the triangle where it's very long, you're going to have all the family ranches like my own, um, our technical term in the beef industry, you guys can learn a new word today. It's called, um, a cow calf operation. And that's because what our job is to raise cows and calves, you know? So every year we maintain like our cow herd and we'll raise up the baby calves from it. And then we ultimately end up selling the calves. And then we give you know, birth again the next year to a new set of calves and we raise them up and we sell them. So our job is to do that cow-calf kind of cycle. And there's a lot of them. There's over 700,000 family ranches in the US. That's why it's very big. We're the base of the triangle. Um, as you move down the triangle and it gets a little bit thinner, the next step would be what's called like a backgrounding yard. And that is a step kind of before the feedlot where, and I'm giving this for like the conventional animal, right? So, uh, uh, this could look different for, um, like a grass finished animal. But for the conventional animal or general grocery store beef, a backgrounding operation would be where my family sells the calf. They buy a bunch of different calves from a bunch of different ranches and they end up raising them for a few months and they're in charge of like animal. Um, They are paying really, really close attention to the health. And then they're also, their main job is like getting that animal larger, right? Like, so they're putting on the weight. So feed and um, health is like the two most important things. They're going to do that for a couple months and then the feedlot is going to buy them. And the feedlot does the same thing. They're paying really, really close attention to the animal health. And then they're doing the final job of like getting that extra weight on the animal before they sell it to the packing industry. Now that is working its way down to the bottom of the triangle, the point, the tip. And the tip is where we enter when you hear people talk about like the monopoly, the domination, the big four, the big packers, like Cargill, JBS, That's the tip of the, um, the triangle because there's only four, there's only four meat packers. Um, that kind of control. I think they process almost 80% of the animals um, in the US. And so you have this kind of control where there's you know, almost a million ranches There's 700,000 ranches at the top, but you have four packers who are kind of dominating the processing of the animal. And so it kind of moves through those different chains. And then obviously when it leaves the packing uh, facility, it ends up going straight to the grocery store.
2: Wow. Thank you so much for
4: sharing all that. Like, Sorry I, if that was just, you know, lesson 101 that was like too intense. No, but. <laughs> that
2: that was super helpful. And I loved learning like the statistics. Like I had no idea how many family ranches there were and and what that looks like. And like to visualize like more of your childhood of like growing up on a ranch, like how it's like really raising the cows and the calves. And mm-hmm. like, that's so... So cool to hear. So now I definitely want to ask Tara the same question and I want to hear like, what was it like growing up on the dairy farm and what do dairy farms look like versus a cattle ranch?
3: Yeah. I feel like there is a few similarities between um, dairies and cattle ranches and pretty much it's just that we both have cattle. That's where the similarities (laughs) stop. Like There's so many differences there. Um, Obviously the breeds of cows are different as well. Um, Another similarity though is definitely family farms. I think this is a huge misconception in the dairy industry that it is all like corporate owned or large. And there is about uh, just under 40,000 dairy farm families in the United States. So 97% of all dairy farms in the United States are family owned and operated, no matter what their size is. Um, so we're actually a little bit larger farm. Um, our farm employees, my husband, his dad, and then five of his brother's. So there's a lot of us all working here together, but even though we're a larger farm, so my house is about 150 steps from our cows' close-up pen. So the close-up pen is where the cows are giving birth to the calves. Um, And so that's just obviously going on, you know, every day, all year around. It's quite exciting. I feel like growing up as a kid on a dairy farm, there is always a calf being born. There's always, you know, calves being fed um and then obviously milking you know that is another big difference i would say from dairy farming to ranching natalie talks about how they have like seasons on their ranch throughout the year whereas dairy is like every day is pretty much the same like it's very scheduledized with the milking and all of that um so a lot going on on the dairy just throughout the day uh, with the milking, bringing cows in and out, the feeding of the cows. Um, a fun fact I always love to share with people is our cows actually have a nutritionist, so they have a cattle nutritionist who plans all of their diets. Um, we tell them you know what we're growing and what we're able to get from other farmers, purchase from other farmers, and then they balance their their diets or what's called their ration actually, making sure they're getting like a balance of like fats and proteins and minerals. Um, and so it's really cool to see, um, the whole entire milking process is crazy. I think there's a misconception that dairy cows are like milked all day long, constantly when in reality, they're usually milked about two or three times a day. And then they're milked for about eight minutes each time. And that's it. The rest of the time is spent in their corral and their pen, uh, hopefully chewing their cud. That's one of the ways to see a cow is really relaxed and comfortable is seeing her out in her pen, chewing her cud. And just, you can tell she's like enjoying her habitat her you know what she's doing out there that
2: is so cool so i have in my family like a few layers removed i had great grandparents that had a dairy farm in wisconsin so like i had visited it as a very like i barely remember it i kind of have visions of it um but it's it's just so cool to hear how you both grew up, and like I think Natalie, you had said it before how that was your norm, and you didn 't realize how cool and interesting and nuanced like it all is, and how people need to hear about this and want to hear about this and I just thank you that both of you are also. Speaking out on the misconceptions and educating, and really just planting seeds for people to get curious and learn more. And I think education is pa- like one of the most powerful tools that we can have. Um, and we live in a crazy world where media is spreading so much misinformation that it's so important to have these voices like yours out there. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. At Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. So as we kind of wrap today's episode, is there anything that we didn't get to that you're like, whoa, 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 not yet. We can't go. We really need people to hear this or like, this is the message that we want to leave your listeners with. What comes to mind for you?
3: Yeah, I feel like in this ag space, if there's one thing you leave with is like, it's probably a lot more complicated and a lot more nuanced than people realize, or it's a lot more, you may realize, but a lot of times we can like sum up these conversations in like a headline, like we're such a headline world at this point, or an eight second reel as we've talked about. And there just is a lot to these conversations. There's like, 50 billion things bubbling in my brain. Like, oh, I wish I had said this. I wish I had said this. And that's just kind of like the way of it it is, right? With ag, there's so many different aspects to it, so many different things. And really that's like at the heart, like I said, of our podcast, Discover Ag. Like it's rooted in our name, like Discover Agriculture. Uh, And so if you want to have more of these kind of conversations, I mean, we hope if you're listening to this, you love podcasts and will follow us over on the podcast space in Discover Ag and kind of listen to some more of these kind of nuanced conversations around food and farming.
4: This past summer, we actually did a like summer series, I guess, where we debunked some of the um, popular, I hate calling them um, documentaries because they're not like documentaries, but you know, we debunked like Suspiracy and Cowspiracy and Game Changers. And I'll never forget. Thank you. I can't wait to listen to it. (laughs) We brought on a registered
3: dietitian too. So we brought on experts, a lot of different experts. So it's a really cool series. Amazing.
4: Yeah. We know another dietitian now for next summer if we run this series again, Uh, (laughs) but I'll never forget when we brought on our, we brought on a seafood expert for our conspiracy conversation. And I think this is one of the things I love to leave people with when it comes to food, because as we've kind of alluded to throughout this conversation, there is a lot of like fear mongering. There is a lot of food shaming. I think there is a lot of like passing on your personal beliefs about food, which you're completely entitled to, like how you want to shop for your family and provide for your family for like feeding their bodies is entirely up to you and your household. But like when we project those onto other people and think they need to be buying the exact same we same way we do, that's where I see a problem. And this guest said, um, tell me what you care about and I'll tell you how to shop. And I think that's the most important thing is like, Just have a conversation with yourself, like is budget and money the most important thing for you, then here's how you can best shop for your family is more environmental issues important to you then pay attention to those and research some of the labels you can look for and tune out the noise of people who are telling you to do x y and z when that's not your belief and your main mission like if supporting us like farmers and ranchers is really really important to you then like do some research around how you can better support them and then don't pay attention to the voices that are trying to shame you for the nutrition or the environmental or whatever that is and so i hope that's something that people can maybe just like absorb a little bit and think more when it comes to their food is like, this is your choice. It's very personal. It's very emotional. And it's also very like, um, not just emotional, but like scientifically important too, right? Like it's, it's nutritionally important that we feed ourselves. So you absolutely make, maintain control of that and just find out what's important to you and then kind of turn down the volume on everything else. So that when you enter the grocery store, you're shopping for yourself and what's important to you and you don't end up shopping for what's important to other people. Wow. What a
2: great message you both just left there. And I couldn't agree more. I always tell people that they are the expert of their own bodies and it's my responsibility to help them trust themselves again because there's so much noise out there. And I think this is a perfect example of that. And so one more time, if you could just tell our listeners your podcast and where is the best place that they can go to find you to find your podcast.
3: Yeah. I'll start with the podcast. So you can find us at discover ag anywhere you listen to your podcast. And then obviously both Natalie and I share on socials as well. And you can find us just under our name. So, um, Instagram is where we like to hang out the most, but you can find us kind of across all the social platforms at Tara Vanderdusen and at Nat- Natalie Kavoric. Awesome. Thank you so much, ladies.
1: Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of what the actual fork pod. We know there are a lot of pods out there and we are so grateful that you are here listening with us.
0: So if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, share with all of your friends and faves, and don't forget to rate and review and let us know what you want to hear more of. The more we hear from you, the more that we can make these episodes exactly what you want. We would also love to connect with you on Instagram at what the actual fork pod.
1: We promise to continue to bring you the hottest topics, greatest guests, and the most fun you can possibly have fighting diet culture bullshit. We love you, we appreciate you, and we will see you next week for more fun.
3: Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding right your tail.